Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God, and the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged reeled on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And just one wee verse in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it says this, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. What this verse is simply telling us is that our days are numbered And at the end of this life, every person in this room has an appointment with God. The Hebrew writer declares to us that God has appointed a time for everybody to die. That word appointment means to make a reservation ahead of time. We have doctor's appointments. We have dentist's appointments. Ladies have her appointments. And what it simply means is you've called ahead of time. And on your arrival, you've been expected. This is the word that God is using when he talks about people dying. Before you were even born, God made a reservation ahead of time on the very moment when you would die. God knows when you're going to die, where you're going to die, and how you're going to die. There is a time that God has set aside that our life will cease and we will leave this scene of time. You see, I don't know whether you've got 50 years, 60 years, or even just 60 seconds left on this planet, but tonight the Bible tells me your days on this earth are numbered. It tells us our life is like a vapor of air. In the light of eternity, our life is here for a second, and then it's gone. That each of us has a God-appointed time upon this earth. We live, we eat, we drink, we fill our lives with so much just to block out this one thought, that one day at the end of this life we have an appointment With Almighty God. And in this passage tonight, we have one of the most solemn stories ever told. A story, mind you, that's not fictional, but factual. Three crosses with three different people and three different lessons. But not only is there three different crosses side by side, not only is there three men dying side by side, but there's three men dying in three different ways. You know, one saved person in this room tonight. You and I will get many things wrong in this life. You and I will make many mistakes. We'll make many stupid decisions. We'll make many messes as we go along in this life. We'll have many opportunities to put these things right or to rectify them and to overcome these mistakes. But there's one thing tonight that you only get one go at. There's only one thing in this life you don't want to mess up. And you don't want to get wrong. There's one thing that you don't want to get wrong. And that's dying. Friends, you only get one go at dying tonight. Death, according to the scriptures, is a separation of the soul and the spirit from the body. 
the invisible part of us being separated from the visible. No matter your race, no matter your wealth, death has no respect of your age or geographical setting. Friends, death has no respect of anybody. In parts of Scripture, death is almost seen as a person. In Revelation chapter 6, he's seen riding a pale white horse. And in chapter 20, verse 14, he's seen as the last personality to be thrown into the lake of fire. So you might not even know it tonight, but there's been someone or something pursuing you since the day that you were born. He is following you. He is pursuing you. He is waiting for you. He is waiting for God to pull his sovereign hand away from your life and he will blow the chilly winds of eternity across your never dying soul. And at this moment, it doesn't matter what you, who your doctor is. It doesn't matter how good a shape you're in. It doesn't matter what you've eaten that day. It doesn't matter whether you've taken your vitamins or not, friends, whether you, friends, but friends, at that moment, God, when God says your life is over, I'm telling you, friends, you are going to die. Every day, two people die every second. Every hour, 20, 120 people will go to the great beyond. Every minute, sorry, 120 people will go to the great beyond. Every hour, 7,200 people will die. Did you know, since you got out of bed this morning, around 170,000 people have went out into eternity. Saturday say, friends, statistics state that 75% of those people die without ever knowing God. You see, friends, it's not a question if, if you're going to die or where you're going to die, friends. The question is, how? How are you going to die this evening? Let me tell you tonight, dying is big business. Let me tell you tonight, dying is important. And friends, it's something you want to get right the first time. There's no second chance with dying. There's no court of appeal. There's no probation. There's no fine and off you go, friends. You don't get two goes at dying. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, there's the judgment. The story goes the night before the great battle of the Somme. In Thiepful Wood, the army chaplain gathered a number of young men around him. The youngest was only 16 and the oldest was apparently only 19. And as he gathered those lads around him, he began to tell those young lads, this time tomorrow, there's a 99.9% .9 chance that every one of you will be dead. He said, now listen, lads, you need to see to it that you die the right way. The young men stood around the chaplain shivering. But now not from the cold, but from the fear of what lay ahead the next day. And it is said, one of the young men came and fell at the chaplain's feet and cried, Sir, sir, give me the direction that I might die the right way. And within, and within minutes, every one of them was at the feet of the chaplain with the same request. The chaplain got down beside them and from John's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 26, he witnessed to them these words. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. It said he led them all tonight, that night, to saving faith in Jesus Christ because every one of them wanted to die the right way. Next day, friends, it said that every one of them did die, but they're in heaven tonight because they chose to die the right way. 
Here in Luke's Gospel, we have a man who chose to die the right way. We are in, you've only got one day, one go at dying. And as I look at this man in Luke chapter 23, the first thing I see, I see this man's awakening. Do you know, friends, there was a time this man mocked the Son of God. It tells us in Matthew 26 that both thieves mocked the Savior and reeled upon him. But do you know what that teaches me tonight, friends? Men can be as hard as nails. Their hearts can be like stone. They can resist and scream and kick against the gospel even to the point of death. But in an instant, the Holy Ghost can awaken a man or woman to their need of God. Listen, parents, you might have dragged them through the door tonight. They might have no interest. They could be biting their nails and looking up at the ceiling. But in an instant, their lives can be transformed from the powers of darkness into the light. And their feet can be set on the king's highway. Thank God for the awakening power of the Holy Ghost tonight. I hear them say, you know what, friends? I hear them say, I'll get ready in my time. I hear them say, I'm not bothered. I hear them say, I'll get saved when it comes my time to die. I hear them say, when I've done everything I've wanted to do. I hear them say, you know what, I'll just get saved right in the nick of time. You know what I'll do? I'll turn to him, believing in a deathbed repentance. But friends, I'm not so sure about a deathbed repentance. You might ask me, why not tonight, friends? Because the fact of the matter is, you might not get one. I'm not being irreverent tonight, friends. A couple of months before Christmas, seven people died. In Belfast in 10 days of drug-related deaths. Some in public toilets. Some in flat floors. But friends, there was no sign of a deathbed repentance. Christmas Day. Friends, listen to me. I'm not being irreverent. Young lad, just at the age of 13. Friends, out on his bike and he was thumped with a car. Never thought anything of it that day. But at the end of that day, he was out in the eternity. But friends, no sign. Of a deathbed repentance. Young lad of 17. Brutally mutilated in Dublin just a few weeks ago. Probably knew no better. Just living his life the way that probably most were living. Friends, I used to live my life like that. Because I thought it was normal. That's what everybody else done. And that young lad just living his life the way that he knew. But brutally mutilated. And his body spread across all of Dublin. No sign of a deathbed repentance. Last week, eight or nine in that helicopter with the basketball star Kobe Bryant. Never probably thinking about tomorrow, friends. It's a dangerous doctrine tonight because none of these people got a deathbed repentance. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. One day every life will pass from the scene of time into eternity. One day the Bible tells us there'll be a great white throne judgment. Shoulder to shoulder men and women in their millions will stand at the great white throne of God. The great, the small, the poor, the rich, the famous, the kings, the queens. They'll all stand before him. Doesn't matter their education. <coughs> Doesn't matter what you know or think you know. John says the dead, both great and small, they'll all stand before him. It says the books will be opened and every man will be judged according to his works. And it says those whose names weren't written in the Lamb's book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire. Friends, what you do with Christ tonight will determine your eternal destiny. Friends, if you leave it until after this meeting tonight, if you leave it off for another day, 
If you leave it off till afterwards, it could be ever too late. You see, if a young man is going to die the right way, if a young woman, boy or girl, is ever going to die the right way, the first things that needs to happen, they need to have an awakening tonight. They need to be awakened, friends, tonight in this meeting. There's something that you need to be awakened to. You need to be awakened to your sin. You need to be awakened to the fact that you're a sinner. You know, this man's awakened tonight and he's awakened to his sin. He's awakened to the condemnation that he's in. Oh, sinner in this meeting tonight, how you need to be awakened this evening to the sinfulness that's bringing you under the condemnation of an almighty God. Do you know there's many in this room tonight and they need awakened? There's many in this meeting tonight and there's too many in this land. There's too many and they're holding on to a false hope. They're believing they'll get another chance. They believe all is well when it's not well. They believe they'll get another go at it or another stab at it or they'll be reincarnated. But friends, it's appointed on the man once to die and then the judgment. You only get one go at dying. But a man who's going to die the right way, the man or the woman that's going to die the right way needs to be awakened. You see, this man was awakened. Thank God for the day that we were awakened in this meeting tonight. Thank God for the day that he peeled the scales from off our eyes. Many in this room have been awakened, but I thank God for the day that he awakened me. Friends, sitting in that wee flat, which was amply named, and I just remembered it the other day, it was Jill Lane in Downpatrick. That's where I was living. A prisoner to my sin, a prisoner to my circumstances, a prisoner to my addictions. The night I got saved, sitting in that wee flat, sitting broken and bound by sin, nowhere to turn, not much hope for tomorrow. But as I met with Tim that night, and as I started to pour out my life and unfold where it all was at, the children's homes, the care homes, the failures, the brokenness, the drugs, the difficulties, the addictions, the bondages, the hopelessness of it all. But these few words that brought the revelation, these few words that brought the awakening to my soul, Brent, all of these things might be true, but these things aren't the problem. The problem is your life is the consequence of your sin. But that's not the end, Brent, he said. There's an answer. There's an answer to every problem, and his name is Jesus. Thank God from that day as I bowed the knee, from that day my life has never been the same. Thank God from that day every chain and every sin and every addiction was broken. Thank God from that day my life was transformed from the powers of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. I was awakened to my problem. I was awakened to my need. I was awakened to the answer. Thank God for the day he revealed his son to his friends. You know there's many in this room and you know what it is to be awakened. There was a day that you used to mock and refuse God. There was a day you were awakened to your sin. There was a day that he lifted you out of your prison. The wee song says you were imprisoned, friends, long imprisoned. Your spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. His eye diffused a crickening ray. You awoke the dungeon flamed with lights. Your chains fell off. Your heart was free. Your rose went forth and followed thee. Thank God for the day he awoke us, friends. Thank God for the day he lifted us out of our pit of sin. Thank God for the day he delivered me from the drink and the drugs of myself, friends. I thank God that he saved me and he awakened me. But friends, it was this man needed to be awakened. What was it that he was awakened to, friends? Friends, I think he was awakened tonight to the love of God. He was awakened to the love of the Savior. You see, surely this man must have watched the Savior. 
Surely he must have watched the Lord Jesus as as he was crucified. Surely he must have watched as they mocked and spat upon him. He must have watched as they drove the nails through his hands. He must have watched as they drove the nails through his feet, as they pressed the crown of thorns of thorns upon his brow. And at that moment, he must have saw something. He must have saw something that the other man didn't see. He must have seen this man's different. He must have seen this man's not punching. He's not kicking. He's not fighting. But friends, he must have seen this man is willingly yielding his life for me. Jesus was willingly yielding his life for you and for me. Friends, can you see the, fr- the love of God afresh tonight? You see, nothing breaks men more than the love of God. A love that's greater than any love this world can offer. A love that's unconditional. A love that knows no limits. A love that knows no bounds. A love that loves us despite our shortcomings. A love that loves us despite our wanderings and our feelings. A love that goes beyond every human boundary. Goes beyond every class of people. A love that is able to go beyond every sin that you've ever committed. The greatest love a man or a woman or a boy or girl can ever know. The love of God awakens men to their sin. We see this man's awakening tonight. But I want to tell you something else about this man. We see this man's alarm. This man's alarm tonight. He's alarmed because he's thinking about what's coming after death. Tell me, friends, have you ever thought about what happens after death? Tell me, friends, have you ever thought, are you alarmed tonight? He's alarmed to where his sin has brought him. He's alarmed to where his sin is bringing him. Are you alarmed tonight? Are you alarmed? Are you alarmed to where your life has brought you? Are you alarmed, friends, at the circumstances that surround you? Are you alarmed to the emptiness that's in your life. Are you alarmed friends. That this and that it, this life. No matter how hard you try. It doesn't seem to be going just the way you planned. Are you alarmed about dying. Are you alarmed to where you'll be a split second. After you die. Friends you need to be alarmed. Because the Bible says. God has given man three scores and ten. And the rest of it. Is just a blessing. I heard an illustration as I was preparing this message. We've heard it many times. Man pulls out a measuring tape as far as 70 inches. And he asks the man, what age are you on this tape? And the other man points to 68 inches. He says, sir, are you not afraid to see how far you've come in life and all the little bit that's left? He says, boss, I am afraid, but I'll tell you what scares me more. What scares me more is what comes after. What comes after? Friends, there is an afterwards. There is a place called hell. It's an awful place. It's a place of great torment. It's a place where the sun doesn't shine and there is no hope for tomorrow. There's some in this room tonight. We know what it's like to be in anguish. We know what it's like to have a hangover, to be coming down of drugs, to be depressed, to be anxious, to be suicidal. There's a burning in the mind. There's a burning in your spirit. There's absolute torment where you want to cry out and die. But friends, I want to tell you that's nothing what hell is like. If you want to know what hell is like, multiply that by a million and you're still only scratching the surface. Our human minds can't actually fathom what it will be like. The Bible says it's a place where there's weeping and there's gnashing of teeth. The conscience never stops and the flames of hell, they never go out. 
It's the complete opposite of heaven where there's no more sorrow, no more sang and no more tears. But in hell, continual sorrow always sang and a non-stop flow of anguish and tears. The complete opposite of being in the presence of God. It's a place where there's no comfort or consolation. There's no one to reach out to and touch or hug or give you any comfort, friends. But the worst thing I believe about hell is the fact that Jesus said it's a place where the worm never dies and the conscience never stops. You see, in heaven is a place where sin sins are forgiven, but hell is a place where the past is unforgettable. You see, friends, you never forget in hell. Alzheimer's and Parkinson's are on the increase, but friends, there will be no Alzheimer's or dementia in hell. The Bible says you'll the Bible says you'll remember all the good things that you had in your life. You'll remember the good things that God bestowed upon you. You'll remember your family. You'll remember God's blessing. You'll remember the place of safety. You'll remember your wife. You'll remember the kids. You'll remember God's hand upon your life. Friends, in hell, you'll remember. Doesn't matter if your memory's as bad as mine, friends. I want to tell you, you'll remember every moment, friends, that you refused and you rejected the Savior. You'll remember things that you've forgotten over the years. The things that you've done that were wrong. The things that you did to people that you shouldn't have done. But you just brushed it under the carpet, friends. You'll remember this meeting. You'll remember the Bible that sits in your hand. You'll remember the preachers he spoke about hell. You'll remember you said, ah, oh, someday, another day, friends, some other time. You'll remember every scripture that was ever quoted. You'll remember this message, friends, and every message that was ever preached. Every song you heard or you ever sung. You'll remember that father that instructed you in the word. You'll remember that mother as she pleaded with you. Will you get right with God? Will you come to Christ? You'll remember this preacher pouring out his soul to get you off the road to hell and onto the road to heaven. Friends, oh what a place hell is. Hell is an awful place. A place of no escape. A place of no second chance. A place of no comfort, continual sorrow, anguish, torment and pain. And as you just, as you think you're about to get some relief, the worm begins to turn again. And friends, you'll remember all the good things all over again that you had in your life. But friends, it will be ever too late. Brent, you're just trying to scare me. That's right, I am. Because the Bible says it's appointed on the man once to die. And then the judgment, Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Because the reality is, friends, you might never make it home from this meeting tonight. The reality is the coffin that you're to be laid to rest in could already be on the shelf of a funeral home. The reality is the fuel could already be in the hearse that's going to carry your coffin to the cemetery site. The reality is the flowers that will cover your coffin may already be on display in the flower shop. Friends, you don't know when you're going to die, but we do know you have an appointment with this thing called death. You see, dying the right way takes you to be alarmed tonight. See, most people leave this world alarmed. They're fearful and afraid of the unknown, the destiny of their never-dying soul. Many a pastor or preacher has held the hand of the tough and the wicked, and the atheist held their hand on their deathbed when they're screaming and crying 
At the fear as an ever-approaching darkness overshadows them. And they awaken to the reality they're unprepared to meet God. The story goes an elderly man was on his deathbed. And as a pastor led him to Christ, he began to tell the pastor the story of his wicked dad. He told him about when his dad was dying. His dad was a wicked man that had lived an ungodly life. And he told him when his father was dying up in that hospital bed, he was so weak. He could not even pick up his hand off the bed to put a sheet under his arms. The nurses couldn't even slide. He couldn't lift his own arm. They had to lift his arm to slide the sheet under. Friends, he said he could hardly talk. He was so weak he couldn't get out of bed. He was so weak and frail he couldn't lift his head up enough to put a little pillow behind his head. He said he could hardly talk. His voice was so transparent he was that close to dying. The man said he stood at the foot of his bed watching his dad dying, knowing his dad was evil and wicked and awful and lost and ungodly. And when his daddy started to die, he looked at his son and he said, he said, it's all true, son. There's fire in hell. And he said, dad, you need to simmer down. You're just upset. You're not doing well physically. You need to calm down. He said, son, I want to tell you what they said is true. There's fire. In hell. He said it so scared him that he run down and got the nurse. And he said he came back in with him and he watched him with his own eyes. As his daddy was so weak that he couldn't lift his head for a pillow. Or lift his arm to put a sheet under his arm. He said when my daddy died without God it took three nurses and a doctor. To hold that little frail man in the bed when he died. And he died screaming son there's fire in hell. And he says it scared him so bad that he run down into the corridor of that wing and looked out of the window of that hospital. Tears running down his face. And all the way back at the other end of that corridor, I heard my daddy scream his way into hell. There's fire in hell. You better listen to me tonight, friends. There's no hope on the other side of the grave. There's not another chance. You leave this world without God and you're in trouble. The question has to be, does anyone deserve hell? Friends, the truth of the matter is, the Bible says we're all sinners. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the only difference between you and many in this room, such were some of we. But we've been washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We've been to Jesus for the cleansing power. And we're trusting in the finished work of Calvary. We're not trusting in ourselves. We're not trusting in our good works. We're not trusting in our good clothes or how we made it this week. We're trusting in the finished work of the blood of Calvary and his son. We're not trusting in a hope so cross, crossing our fingers salvation. We're trusting in the finished work that he's done. And it says that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from sin and all and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, there will be no one in hell that doesn't deserve it. See, friends, some in this room tonight, we will, will die afraid. Some in this room tonight will die sorry. But there's some in this room tonight will die sure. Some afraid to leave the comfort of their sin. Afraid to leave the pleasures of this world. Afraid to stand up in front of their mates. Some will die sorry. Sorry they didn't make a decision in time. Sorry they spent most of their lives in a backslidden state, friends. And some will die in a backslidden state once knew the Lord. But friends, their kids will never have known that they were ever saved. They'll die sorry. 
believing, friends, that they never told their kids about Jesus. Some will die, friends, sorry. But thank God tonight, friends, you don't have to die scared. You don't have to die sorry. But, friends, you can die tonight, sure. Thank God you can leave this world, sure. Thank God tonight you can die knowing everything's right between you and God. Thank God some have the blessed assurance of closing their eyes in death knowing that in just a moment of time they're going to open their eyes in a land that's fairer than day and safe and secure in the arms of Jesus, friends. Thank God, we can, friends, we don't have to take a pill tonight. Thank God, friends, we don't have to take a pill to put to go to bed tonight worrying about dying. You don't have to get up, friends, every day filled with fear and insecurity and dread and regret. Thank God, we can pillow our head tonight knowing that if the Lord allows Mr. Death to come, come in the night before they ever pronounce us dead, thank God we'll be in a place, friends, where we'll never grow old friends that we will be safe and secure in the arms of Jesus friends before they ever pronounce you dead us friends they will be in a place I'm glad tonight as solid God loving Bible fearing Christians people we can close our eyes tonight and say we are going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord thank God with joy unspeakable as we sung tonight and full of glory, knowing we've done what the Bible said to do to meet God. Friends, I want to leave this world right. I want to leave this world with a shout. I want to leave with assurance. I want to leave with a confidence that I'm ready to meet God. To leave this world tonight, there has to be an awakening. There has to be an alarm. But there has to be an acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. For it says in verse 42 of Luke chapter 23, this and the thief said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You see, not only is there an awakening, awakening, not only is there an alarm, but now there's an acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. Now he's no longer scoffing. Now he's no longer mocking. You see, friends, there'll come a day. Friends, it won't matter how big you are, how hard you are, how many times you've slobbered or whatever else, how big your muscles are. But friends, there's going to come a day. Friends, you'll stand, friends, face to face. With an almighty God. Now he's no longer scoffing. Now he's no longer mocking. But instead this man he's seeking Jesus. And calling him Lord. He's acknowledging Jesus as Lord. But you know what I think he suddenly realizes. I think he suddenly acknowledges. He suddenly acknowledges this man being crucified next to me. This man's not here to save himself. See they shouted at him. You know they said if they be the God save thyself and us. Too often that's what we're deceived into thinking God just wants to save us from our problems. But friends, God just didn't come to die on an old rugged cross. He could have jumped off and saved them from their problems, friends. He could have called 10,000 angels. But friends, he died on that cross, friends, to pay the price for my sin and yours. He didn't die just to save you from your problems. He died to save your eternal soul tonight. There's not one other one was good enough to pay the price for sin tonight. But the blood... Of Jesus Christ. This man's not here to save himself. He realized. But he suddenly realizes. This man's here to save me. He realizes. This man hanging next to me. He's there to die for me. Friends this is the essence of the gospel. That Jesus Christ came into the world. Not only to die for you. But to die, die for me. But to die for you. This man said. He has done nothing amiss. And he realized this man was not only dying because of sin, but this man was dying for his sin. As he views the death of Christ, 
as he sees the dying of the Lord Savior, somehow this agonizing soul saw through the mockery and the misery, he recognizes Jesus Christ for who he is. He saw virtue in Christ, virtues in Christ that no other man could see. God awakened him to his sin. God awakened him to his need. And he saw the answer that was before him. He saw a man, friends, with no other virtues, with virtues that he had seen in no other man. No vices in him that he's seen in other men. There was no lying. There was no blaspheming. There was no wickedness. There was no envy, bitterness. There was no fighting, friends. There was just the perfect, spotless Lamb of God that he's seen, friends. He saw, friends, he never saw in the Lord Jesus Christ. Somehow the Spirit of God took the scales from off his eyes and he saw Christ in his true light. He saw the spotless Lamb of God. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Christ was spotless. You see, friends, if we were to put Jesus under a microscope, like a cut diamond, you know what you would find? You would find no fault, no failure, and no flaws. No hidden things, no darkness, no need for suspicion, no guessing with Christ. That's why you can trust him tonight. That's why you can put your full confidence in him tonight, because he's the sinless, spotless son of God that died for your sin, that you might go free. And the wee song says there was none other good enough to pay the price of sin. Do you know what this man acknowledges tonight? That the one that crucified next to him, that he's the only door to heaven. That he's the way, that he's the truth, and he's the life. That no man can come to the Father but through him. But once you friend tonight, that's what you need to realize tonight. That's what you need to acknowledge tonight. You need to forget about everything else that you're holding on to. You need to be forget, friends, about the things of this world. You need to let go of your sin and your shame and everything that's holding you back. You need to let go of religion and rigmarole. You need to let all of these things go and flee to Christ because he's the only saviour. Those things won't save you. Money won't save you. Houses won't save you. Cars won't save you. It's Christ tonight that saves you. It's Christ that is the only saviour. It's Christ that bore your sin. It's Christ that hung on the cross. Christ died as the precious Lamb of God. And if you're holding on to anything else, you'll be damned in hell for all of eternity. You'll die tonight and you'll die the wrong way. If you're holding on to anything but Him. But friends, if you hold on to these things, you're dying wrong. Friends, you'll go to hell tonight. The dying thief looks to the center cross and he acknowledges and he simply says, He's there for me. He was awakened, he was alarmed. He acknowledged, but I also want to see his acceptance tonight. He not only turned to the Lord, he said, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. This was him receiving Christ by faith. This man was dying in sin, totally and utterly hopeless. And he looked over to Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. See, friends, this is how simply you're saved tonight. You know, I heard, I hear wee bits, you know, and there's people, I've heard wee stories, you know, different people struggling with their assurance of salvation. But friends, this man simply turned to Jesus, kneeled to that old cross, nothing he could do, nothing he could do to save himself, nothing he could do, but he just turned to him and said, Lord, would you remember me? See, friends, we're not trusting in anything that we can do. I'm only trusting in the blood 
of Jesus Christ that cleanses me from all sin. Friends, whether I do handstands, do somersaults, friends, whether I give to the rich, give to the poor, whether I go on outreach or whether I don't, friends, that's not what will save me. It's Christ that saves me from all of my sin tonight. Some of us are depending on works. Friends, some of us are depending on how well we perform, depending on good works, but friends, those things won't save. It's faith and acceptance in Jesus Christ. We have to simply believe like this man. Friends, this man was kneeled, hands and feet, and nothing he could do to save himself. He could only do what we have to do, and that's to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who cleanses us from all sin. Nothing he could simply do but cry, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I mean, was not this an example, an amazing example of true faith? I mean, Jesus never looked any less like a king than he did on that cross. I mean, his throne was a cross. His diadem or his crown was a thorn of crowns. His scepter was a bloody nail. And friends, his court was a mob of mockers. But this thief seen him as king of kings and lord of lords. He said, Lord, remember me. You see, the rest of the world mocked and jeered at him. But this man realized who he really was. Friends, have you ever done that? Have you ever lifted up your voice and said, Lord, redeem me? Have you ever lifted up your voice and said, Lord, save me? Have you ever lifted up your voice and said, Lord, forgive me? It's not a very long prayer. It's not a very elementary prayer. It's not a very flowery prayer. But friends, I want to tell you, it's a good prayer. I want to tell you it's the right prayer. And I want to tell you it's prayed to the right person. Friends, that's all you have to do tonight. Repent of all your sin. Repent of all the thoughts that you're all right. Because you're not all right. Be like this man and die the right way. Let the Lord Jesus into your heart to be Lord and Savior. That's dying the right way. Dying in Christ, receiving Christ by faith like this man. And you know what we read in the scriptures? It says to you, as many as received them, he became and he gave them the power to become the sons of God. You know that day, that old thief, that dirty rotten old thief that nobody had any time for, that they were actually murdering and crucifying on that cross, on that day that he turned to Jesus, God transformed him out of the kingdom of darkness and brought him into the kingdom of his dear son. He was a son of God. Didn't he make his sons and daughters of a king? Dying in Christ, do you know that day? He has no right to ask. You might even say with the life that he's lived, he had no right to ask. But friends, he has the same right as you or me. Whenever we ask, we didn't ask God to save us because we were worthy. We didn't ask him to save us because we were wonderful. We didn't ask because he, he needed us, he needed us, or we deserved to be saved. None of us had a right to ask, but we asked anyway because of his amazing mercy and his amazing grace. We just threw ourselves at the mercy of Jesus. We never said, I'll do this or I'll do that. We never said, we'll start this or start that. We just came and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I don't deserve your love and your grace, but will you show me mercy? Will you be merciful to me? I'm a sinner. Friends, all you have to do tonight is ask. Ask, and that's what this man did, and he had no right. Because, friends, when you die the right way, not only are you awakened, alarmed, acknowledged, and accepting, you'll have an assurance from Jesus that you're saved. It says in verse 43, Jesus turned to him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto, day, unto you, Today 
you'll be with me in paradise. The day that you get saved, whether you feel it or whether you don't, I want to tell you there's a transaction that happened in heaven. Friends, there's people in this world, it says he turned him. There's people in this world, they won't even answer you. They won't even look at you. They won't even acknowledge you. But you know what will happen when you call upon Jesus? He'll answer. I said he'll answer. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. And then Jesus said, Verily, verily. You know what that word means? It means truthfully. Truthfully. You know, friends, do you ever think this man's been lied to? He was a thief. He ran about with the worst of the worst. Do you ever reckon this man's been promised things that never came true? Friends, that's what man does. But Jesus begins his promise with this. I'm telling you the truth, son. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Friends, let me tell you something about God. He always tells the truth. Let me tell you something else. You can trust him. Let me tell you something else. You can take God's promises to the bank. Let me tell you something else. You can build your life upon the promises of God. You can count on the promises of God if Jesus said so. The request was, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The answer was, today you'll be with me in paradise. He said, remember me. And Jesus said, how about go with me? He said, when thou comest into thy kingdom. He said, remember me. When? And Jesus said, how about today? He said, when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, our son. We're not talking about kingdoms. We're, what we're talking about here is paradise. Paradise is better than kingdom. You see, you can rebel and uproar in kingdom. There's sickness and sadness in kingdom. There's all sorts of bother in kingdom. But I want to tell you, there's nothing bad and there's nothing wrong in paradise. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, unsaved friend tonight, this is not a hope so salvation. It's not a guess so salvation. It's a no so salvation. Why is it a no so salvation? Because Jesus said so. Just another story before I go. I know the pastor was preaching on stories and fables, but that's not the kind of stories that I'm telling. Not to deceive you. Just another story, probably the most stories I've ever told in this sermon. But There was a preacher <clears throat> and his little old granny was in the nursing home, seriously ill. And before this preacher ever travelled anywhere to preach, he would kiss his wife and his kids goodbye. And he would run round to the nursing home to where his wee granny was home to say goodbye and pray with his granny. Because she was the little prayer warrior and she would always pray him through and she would be always pray him on when he was about the country preaching. He went on this occasion and he, he says he walked behind the veil of that nursing home and he grabbed her little old hand and they began to talk. And when he got done telling her where he was going and how he needed her to pray, she lay there intently and quietly and when he got done she said, Now son, there's something I need to tell you before you leave. She said, I was praying for you way before daybreak and right in the middle of praying for you, the Holy Ghost told me I've suffered enough and I'm going home. God's going to deliver me from this wrecked body of pain. I'm going to be with the Lord Jesus. And said, the Lord even told me when I'm going to die. I'm going to heaven on Wednesday morning. 
I'm going to be with Jesus on Wednesday. He said, you know as you do. I said, now Granny, you're going to be here whenever I get back. You know, I need you, Granny. You can't leave here. I've got to have you. You know, I depend on you. You're my little prayer warrior. You'll be here whenever I get back. Don't worry. Don't panic. She said, son, I want you to grab my hand again. And he reached over and he grabbed her hand. And a big old tear came down the side of her face. And she said, son, I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. Because the next time you hold my hand, it will not be withered. And I'll not be in a bed. But I'm going to be fashioned like unto Jesus. I'm going to heaven on Wednesday morning. He said, but granny, I'm going to be in Connecticut. She said, I've told the family to postpone the ceremony to Saturday. Do you come back? He said, Granny, this is crazy. She had already made her funeral arrangements, but she said, I told them to postpone. I don't want to be buried until my son gets here. He says he was way up in Connecticut, and the phone rang Wednesday morning, and he knew exactly what it was. And they said, Granny went home to be with the Lord today. He flew back on Saturday morning and was getting ready to meet the rest of the family to preach the funeral. And he went up to one of the daughters and he said, Could you tell me how this thing went? Could you tell me how Granny died? Did she go into a coma? Did she suffer? And he said, No, she was awake. Her eyes were open until her very last breath. She said, The hospital called the family in and said, If you want to see her alive, you better get in there. And she said, we gathered around the bed and we grabbed her little old withered hands and we said, Mom, we're all here. We're here. And one of the daughters leaned over and said, Mama, there's all your daughters. Mama, you know, do you recognize all your daughters? And the little old granny, she said, No, I'm sorry. I don't recognize any of them. And they said, Here, here's your boy, your only boy. This is your son. You know your son, don't you? Little old granny, she said, No. I don't believe I know him either. And they said, well, Mama, here's your doctor. He's been your doctor for 25 years. You know who that is standing up against the wall, don't you? She said, no, I don't, I don't even remember, ever remember him being my doctor. They said, well, Mama, do you know anything? She said, yeah, I do. She said, I know a song. They said, a song? She said, yes, I know a song. And I want to sing it before I die. And he said, she began to sing, I'm standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages will his praises sing. Glory in the highest, I'll shout and sing, I'm standing on the promises of God. And the last thing Granny did before she left this world is she sung that old song. Friends, thank God there may be a day when you don't even know your family. You may not know your friends. You may not even know who your doctor is tonight. But there's a God in heaven who knows who you are. You're written in the palm of his hand. And he'll be there to meet you. And greet you. And to take you home. Because you're sure that you're ready to meet God. Let's we granny. As she was dying all the family. All the girls were gathered around the bed for a few days before she passed. But I remember Lid telling me, friends, as, as she woke up at one point, she was disappointed to say the least that everyone was still there. She said something like, oh, are you all still here? Because she thought the next time she woke up was to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Trevor's wee mummy, whenever she passed away, 
When I heard she was sick, I had to clarify with Elaine because I didn't want to put my big foot in it, whether Trevor's mummy was give her life to the Lord or not, and you didn't want to be texting all this stuff and getting all the wires mixed, but Elaine texts back to say that she definitely was because Trevor and Sandra had put a prayer request through one day that they had to pray for again for that assurance of salvation. Trevor just told me last week that she'd got herself in such a state about everyone else, but all the kids and all the grandkids, that if she had to leave, were all of those going to be ready to go and to meet the Lord? He said she got herself so upset, she wasn't even so sure about her own salvation. She was saying, if they're not ready, well then how am I ready? He says she got herself so upset, but he says, Sandra said, you're, of course you're saved. She says, friends, didn't, or she said, of course you're saved. Didn't you give your life all those years ago? The wee woman from the Baptist came round and you got down your knees in your house and you asked the Lord to save you. And Trevor says a woman wrote in the wee card at the funeral the exact same testimony that she gave in a wee women's meeting one day that a woman from the Baptist came round and she'd give her life, got down on her knees and give her life to the Lord. And they prayed, friends, that night with her that God would restore her assurance to her. Friends, I want to tell you, she left this world sure that she was going to heaven. You see, they left sure. You see, they were standing on the promises of God. They weren't standing on their own works, their own ability, their own credentials, friends. They were standing on the promises of God. This song says that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear is sealed, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I now can see. Perfect cleansing in the blood for me, standing in the liberty where Christ makes free. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises I shall not fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Saviour as my all in all. I'm standing on the promises of God. Friends, you know, you can die sure tonight. You know, Jesus said today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. And he gives us the same assurance tonight. Some people say it's a presumptuous thing to say that you're saved. They say things like, I don't know if you can really know until you die. Friends, I want to tell you that's a little too close to comfort for me. I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven before I die. I want to tell you you're assured tonight. The Lord Jesus turns to him and says, Today you'll be with me in paradise. The man or woman who receives Christ, I want to tell you, they'll die the right way. Amen. Friends, are you going to die the right way tonight? The Lord gives this man a blessed assurance. Today, I shall be with me in paradise. Friends, you need to remember when you die, you only get one go at it. The coffin could already be in the funeral parlor. The fuel could already be in the hearse that's going to take you to the cemetery. Mm -hmm. the, floor, the flowers could already be in the flower shop, friends. But friends, which way will you die? Some die sorry, some die scared, but some die sure. Mm -hmm. This man in Luke chapter 3, 23, is a great reminder to us all what needs to take place. 
May it take place in your heart tonight. May there be that great transaction from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. Let us pray.